So we've just finished a five-week series about our advocate, the Holy Spirit. Wasn't it amazing? It was so good. Who learnt some stuff? Yeah, a few hands there. That's good. The rest of you, it's on the website. Please go back and listen again. And next time I ask for a show of hands, I'll see all of them up because <laughs> you all learnt some stuff, right? So we've talked over the last five weeks about the importance of encounters with the Holy Spirit. We have talked about being, that's very pippy, thank you. <laughs> we've talked about, oh that's better, being aligned with him to be empowered. And then Tom shared last week five reasons why we need the Holy Spirit in the church. So if you missed any of those, I do really encourage you to go back and listen. You can either listen on our website to the podcast or you can scroll through the Facebook videos. They are left up there for some time until I do a clean out. And iTunes, lots of options. You have no excuses. So please go back and listen because the Holy Spirit's doing something and he wants us all on board. So today I'm asking, what now? Not the TV program, what now? What now? We have a Holy Spirit encounter, then what? We align ourselves with him, then what? What are we going to do with that? I really love seeing people's hunger over the last few weeks. And this is indeed a place where we can come, we can be refueled, and we can be empowered. But are we going to stop there? As I was pondering this topic the other day as I was starting to put this together, I saw my cat. And I know you're thinking, what? <laughs> my cat's getting a little bit round. And I know it could be her winter coat, but I do think she's getting a little bit round. And I was thinking about her and how much she loves to come in and get her food, and then she just sleeps. She actually does nothing else. Even when she, she's a real outside cat, loves being outside, but I very, very rarely see her running around chasing birds, which is a good thing. I don't like it when she catches birds. But generally when I go outside, she crawls out from under a bush and she has been sleeping again. And so I was thinking about this cat. She comes in, she refuels, but then she doesn't use it. And it just made me think about us. You know, I don't want to be a fat cat Christian I don't. Where I come in, I get filled up, but then I leave and don't use it. Feed me, feed me. Now go away and let me sleep. Do we want to be like that? Feed me, feed me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, fill me, but then go away and sleep and don't use it. I do not want to be like that. I want more of the Holy Spirit, yes. But if I'm not going to do something with that, then why would God give me more? What is the purpose of it? The Holy Spirit does not exist to make us feel good. Sorry. <laughs> Might be a byproduct of it, but he exists to change the world and lead people to Jesus, ultimately. The Holy Spirit wants to be active in our church, and he wants to be active in our community. And he does that through who? Right. So we have to have the mindset that we are filled to function. It's what I call my message today, filled to function, filled to give out, filled to bring God glory. So let's pray, and then we're going to look at a wee Bible story and see how simple this is, because it is very simple. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you've been doing in this place. We thank you for the hunger that's growing for you. And Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit, so we're not alone. We do have you walking with us in our lives, teaching us, guiding us, helping us. But Lord, we want more than that, Lord. We know we're not just here 
to live our lives and know you, God, it is for a purpose. So today, as we look at this Bible story, as we talk a little bit about it, Father, I pray that you'd really open up the eyes of our hearts, Lord, to understand this, understand what it means for ourselves, understand what your purpose is for us in this, and um, God, help us to be willing to uh, just let you speak into areas today. Help us to be willing to take that next step. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to read in Acts 9 from verses 1 to 22. And I'm reading from the, the Revised Standard Version this morning. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he journeyed, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed about him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. And the men who were travelling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. How weird would that be? Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. He was blind. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate or drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. Straight Street. Love that one. We can guess what that looked like. And inquire in the house of Judas for a man named Tarsus, man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might again regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man and he has, what he has done, that how much evil he has done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptised and took food and was strengthened. For several days he was with the disciples at Damascus and in the synagogues immediately he proclaimed Jesus saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called on his name? And he has come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the, Jew, the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now, generally when you hear this story, we you hear a lot about Paul, or Saul and Paul. I mean, a fabulous story, absolutely incredible. 
If you don't know it, please go and read it. It's amazing. But I don't want to talk about Paul today. I want to talk about Ananias. When I think about Paul, you know, I don't think there's any of his teachings we don't know about. I mean, the guy wrote half the New Testament. He's very, very well known, isn't he? Everyone knows who I'm talking about when I say Paul. But who was Ananias? Who was Ananias? Verse 10 says, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. That is all we get. That's it. No backstory, no history, no credentials, nothing. The only other time that he's mentioned is by Paul, later in Acts 22, verse 12, where Paul's telling the story of what happened. He says, a man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, and well regarded by all the Jews in Damascus. That's it. That is all we know about Ananias. So he's described as a disciple. What exactly does that mean? So a disciple means to be a follower or a pupil of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. Now, when we think follower these days, what do you immediately think? Instagram, Facebook. Who has followers on Instagram and Facebook? Come on, be honest. Come on. How many followers do you have, Sam? Not enough? Not enough followers on Instagram. Everyone go and follow Sam on Instagram. (laughs) But when you think about it, would you describe your followers as people who imitate your life? Would you describe them as people who do as you do? Or would they be merely people who are interested in seeing the life that you portray online? A disciple is more than that. A disciple is someone who walks in relationship with their master. Jesus' disciples learned from him because they were with him. They imitated him. Can you imagine doing an apprenticeship and following your instructor around, seeing what they do, even believing in what they do, but actually never taking that next step in doing what they do? To truly learn something, you watch and then you do, right? So who was Ananias? Ananias was a disciple. That's all we know. He was a follower of Jesus, walking in a relationship with him daily through the Holy Spirit. And there was nothing else significant about him that we know of. Nothing that was written about. On the other hand, who was Paul? Who was Paul? We could spend weeks talking about Paul and his ministry and the mighty way that he made the name of Jesus known and still does to this day. But get this, Paul's story started with a disciple. Paul's story started with a disciple. I wonder whose story will start with you and me. I think back to the day, the two kids at my school, I've talked about them before, who challenged me about not believing in God. I was eight or nine. My God story started with those two kids It was a momentous encounter in my life. It took all of, probably not even a minute of my life, that time in my life, but I will remember it until the day I die because it was the start of my God story. Those two kids who believed that they needed to speak up, and so they bravely did. So what can we learn about this disciple named Ananias? We're going to talk about four things that we can learn from him today. And the first one is that he knew the Lord. He knew the Lord. 
We read in verse 10, the second part of verse 10 in Acts 9, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Now, come on, let's be honest. If you were alone in your house and you heard, Anne, what would you do? Freak out? You wouldn't go, here I am, Lord. <laughs> no? Okay, anyone out there, if they heard your name randomly called on your house, would you stop and go, here I am, Lord? <laughs> Hi, dear. <laughs> I do not sound like him. <laughs> but we would, wouldn't we? We'd, we'd go, who's that? Is, am I imagining things? I'm pretty sure I heard my name, but I can't, can't see anyone. Or, you know, I mean, come on. It was out of relationship that Ananias recognised the voice of the Lord. Now, if we only knew about God, he wouldn't, if, sorry, if he only knew about God, he would likely have missed it. We have to cultivate the kind of relationship with God that allows us to recognise his voice. How do we do this? Time, time, and time. We all know that the people that we know the best are those we hang around with the most, right? We get to learn how they sound. We learn how they think. We learn their little quirks, the people we hang around with the most. So why would we think it would be any different with God? Why would we think that? I know all about Paul. I've read his story. I've read all the books he wrote, the letters he wrote in the, in the New Testament, and so that gives you a bit of an insight on who he was as a person, how he thought, what he did. I know him through what I read about him. But I have zero relationship with him. Why? Because I never got to hang out with him. He was born in a different time to me, so all I have is his words. I never got to walk with him. I cannot have a relationship with God if I only ever read about him or if I only ever hear about him through someone up here at church on a Sunday. I have to spend time with him to know him personally, to learn to recognise his voice. So when he calls my name, I can say, here I am, Lord. I want to be listening and ready, not running around hiding or trying to figure out who's talking to me. Ananias knew the Lord. The second thing we can learn from Ananias is that he was available. So the same verse where he says, here I am, Lord. Not, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, I've got to be honest. If I hear God going, Suez, I'm like, yes, what are you going to ask me? <laughs> but he didn't go, what? He went, here I am, Lord. You know, someone's story is going to start with us. But for that to happen, we need to be available. And we need to be willing for the Holy Spirit to use us. There is no mention of what Ananias had planned that day. Nothing. I'm sure he had a busy day. Perhaps he had other more amicable, safer people that he wanted to visit. But at the word of God, he went. Thinking about how readily Ananias responded, I would say it's highly unlikely that this was the first time he'd been asked by God to deliver a message or go and minister to someone. In fact, I would say that Ananias had cultivated this hearing and obeying kind of relationship with God to the point where it was normal to him. So when God spoke, he was ready to act. Ananias was available. 
third thing we can learn from him is that he trusted the God who he knew. So Ananias says, here I am, and then he hears what God wants from him. You know, at that point, I could have quite understood if he wanted to retract his here I am. <laughs> you know, once he heard what God actually wanted, go and, go and lay hands on this man named Saul. Oh, yeah, I'm not so available now. I am actually quite busy. You know, he could have quite understandably done that. But instead, verse 17 says, so Ananias departed and entered the house. Often fear stops us from listening and from obeying. What if God asked me to do something super scary or too big for me? Well, God could, and God does sometimes, but it has been my experience that God starts with the small things. He is kind, remember, and he wants us to succeed. He wants to grow us. He wants to teach us. Of course, we do need to be prepared to be a little bit uncomfortable with this. When God activates us, there's generally a faith element involved. And it's this faith element that actually keeps us depending on him rather than on our own confidence and strengths and talents. It's a good thing. Even Ananias, who knew God and trusted God, still made sure that God was aware of who Saul was and what he was up to, you know, just in case God had kind of overlooked that part. He knew there was immense risk involved if he was to say yes. And I mean, he had not only to enter the house of this murder of Christians, he had to touch him. He had to lay hands on him. I mean, that was quite huge, wasn't it? This could possibly be his last mission. But I love how diplomatic he was. Listen to this. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorised by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls his name. I'm pretty sure the rest of us will be saying, God, are you for real? Do you know who this man is and what he's done? You have got to be kidding me, right? Does that sound more like us? Sounds like me. <laughs> but Ananias tactfully states the obvious and then waits for a response from God. This was God's response in verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel. I mean, how amazing is God? If you don't know, like I said, some of you may not know the story of Saul who had an encounter with, with God and then was renamed Paul. Please go and read it because it's absolutely incredible. This guy was the worst of the worst. He was really evil and what he did to Christians. It's just, it's just mind-blowing that God said, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name. God chose Saul as an instrument of his to carry his name. And as I was going through this this morning, I actually really felt that there was at least one person here today who feels like you've made too many mistakes. There's no way God can use you. You've just stuffed up way too much. You're too much of a mess for God to use. Again, please go study the life of Paul <laughs> and let God show you. Because um, our mess is nothing to God. He, he, he works through all of us, which is just... I've been a Christian for over 40 years and it still blows me away that God uses all of us and doesn't discount us because of our past or our present. He loves us. It's just incredible. 
And then God said, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I did wonder if that last verse might have helped Ananias a little bit, the thought of seeing this guy Saul kind of get his comeuppance. But I don't know. I don't think so. Because then it just says, but Ananias departed and entered the house. When God spoke, Ananias trusted him because, because he knew him. Like I said earlier, this was normal for him, hearing God and obeying God. And the more normal that becomes, the easier it is to trust him at his word. You learn that although it may make no sense to you at the time what God's asking of you, you can trust him because he's faithful and he does know what he's doing, which is always awesome, right? Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Nothing, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Doesn't make sense to us, but it makes a whole pile of sense to God because his ways are so different to ours. Ananias knew this about God, and he trusted him because he knew that. The fourth thing we can learn about him is that he acted with love. The rest of verse 17 says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Brother Saul. He's this awful, evil man that had done so much damage and he calls him Brother Saul. There's no condemnation in Ananias' words, but rather friendship. Ananias was essentially acknowledging Saul's conversion and welcoming him into the family of Christ. There was no, I'm only here because God told me to, but I know what you've done and you don't deserve this. None of that. None of that. Brother Saul. Amazing. Can you imagine the impact that Ananias' words must have had on Saul? Firstly, he called him brother. Saul did not need to be told that he didn't deserve that. Secondly, Ananias could not have known what happened to him on the side of the road unless God did indeed orchestrate this by appearing to Ananias and sending him. Have you ever had that happen? It's quite amazing. About maybe four years ago, I got this random phone call from a lady. I don't think she's here today, but she's part of our church. And she lived in Auckland and she was moving to Blenheim. And God had really put our church on her heart and said, this is where he wants her to go. So she thought, well, I'll ring and introduce myself. So she did. And I'm chatting to this lady I'd never met on the phone. She introduced herself. And she'd been really praying for us. And she took that a step further and asked God, is there a particular area you want me to pray into for this church that I'm going to go and become a part of? And he laid this area on her heart and she was praying into it. She told me this. Little did she know... That area was in real crisis at the time, and we were feeling very, very stuck, really stuck, and very lonely in it. What that phone call did for me was tell me that God saw the struggle and that he was onto it. He spoke to a random woman at the other end of our country, got her praying for us in this particular area that was struggling. I mean, I just felt so encouraged by it. I said I was in tears on the phone that day because it was like, well, my God sees me and my God's got me, and this is going to be okay. That's what that did for me. I can imagine Saul must have been feeling something similar. Who was he? 
who was he that God would send a man who didn't even know him, was about to be persecuted by him to extend a loving hand and pray for him? Who was he? He was important to God and he was loved by him. And so I imagine he must have felt like that, knowing that God had sent this person. He was seen by God. He was important to God. Ananias acted with love. You know, most of us are not called to be a Paul. Who's glad about that? (laughs) But we are all called to be like Ananias, to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, to be available and to be ready to share God's love with those in our world. The Holy Spirit is constantly hovering, waiting to speak to us, waiting to respond. And what's amazing is we've all been actually created to hear his voice. I mean, how cool is that? John 10, 3-5 says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. The Bible's full of stories about the Holy Spirit putting the right people together at the right time to make something significant happen. It's just amazing. And I know that that wasn't supposed to be the end of the book, was it? That is so relevant for us today, where we are. Think about your your school, if you're at school. Think about your workplace, your neighbourhood, your sports team. What would happen... If each person that he has placed, you know, whether it's your workplace, school, you know, it's not just you that he's placed there with a job to do. You are one of however many other people that he's put in that place for that time ready to activate. What would happen if each person who's been strategically placed listens to the Holy Spirit and acts on what he says? Can you imagine what would happen? We don't have to see the whole picture, just our part in it. His plan and his timing are always, always perfect. We see this on Sunday mornings all the time where someone's picked the song, someone else is emceeing, another might be sharing communion, another one's preaching. And so, so many times we just see it so beautifully linked. Not because we've all sat and gone, you talk about this, you do this, you do this. We don't, but we all listen to the Holy Spirit. And so he speaks. We all come and we we do our part. We listen to him and we do our part. He doesn't need us to know the whole. He just needs us to be listening and acting. Who here believes that God has plans for Marlborough? I love the way every hand's up. Who here believes God has plans for Marlborough? Yeah, that's better. (laughs) Who does he need to see that accomplished? They're ready. (laughs) Our mission statement, bringing the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our world. That's our church's mission. Who's the church? Yeah? Someone else's story is going to start with you. Someone else's story is going to start with you. It's going to start with you hearing and recognizing the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's going to start with you being available to step out of your busyness 
and partner with the Holy Spirit so someone can encounter him. John 14, 15 to 17 says, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you, you know him. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. The later is now. We are in the later. The world isn't looking for the Holy Spirit, but if we are filled with him, listening and available, then we can make a difference around us and make God known. I'm going to give you two questions in a moment before we finish. And I'd really love you to write these down because I don't want these questions just to stay here today. I want these questions to become a daily part of our lives The first one, and I'm going to get the guys to leave them up here, actually. Holy Spirit, what am I currently trying to do without you? Is there anything you're trying to do without listening to the Holy Spirit? Highly likely, right? Because sometimes we forget to ask. In fact, quite often forget to ask. And then other times, we don't want to ask. Because if we ask and he tells us something... We've got to do it. <laughs> so come on, we're all human here. We're all on the same page. Sometimes we've actually got to push ourselves to actually go, Holy Spirit, what are you wanting me to do here? So Holy Spirit, what am I currently trying to do without you? And the second one is, Holy Spirit, what are you having to do without me? Who around you needs encouraging? Who in your world needs help? Where does God want you to be part of his plan today? How much of a difference to your day or someone else's day do you think it would make if we started every day with these two questions? I would even suggest asking them throughout the day. You know, you might be at school, you might be at work, just taking that moment to stop and go, Holy Spirit, is there anything you're wanting me to do here today? You know, or what are you currently trying to do in someone's life and you're actually needing me to help with, but I'm not listening to you. What are you trying to do without me? Imagine if it became a regular part of our lives. Imagine. We're going to finish this morning with a, a song called Listening, which was actually written by one of our Elam pastors. And I'm not going to get the ministry team out today. We're not going to do a, a worship song at the end. What I want is for all of us to actually spend some time listening and being ministered to by the Holy Spirit. Perhaps asking those two questions, which we will leave up there. Holy Spirit, what am I doing without you? And what are you doing without me? You can stay in your seat. You can kneel. You can come out the front, go or sit or lie or whatever, wherever the Holy Spirit leads you. This is actually between you and him this morning. And I really want you to hear what he's saying to you. And then once the song's finished, I'll pray and close out the service. But can I just ask, really open up your hearts today. Don't walk out of here going, oh, that was cool. Not for me. Why don't you let the Holy Spirit tell you whether this is for you or not? Why don't you take that moment just to soak in him and go, right, I want to hear from you. What are you asking of me today?